Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. 20 seconds to go. Rishot saves Talbot. Rebound Tablo Bupin. Rishot Martinez saves Talbot. Kopitar bangs it off the back of the head. 12 seconds. Rishot Martinez save made by Cam Talbot. And here come the Oilers. Two on one to win it. McDavid in for the left hand side. Dry subtle waits. There's the center pass. Left timer. Score. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Always great to hear some unforgettable Jack Michaels play-by-play to start the show. By the way, Alex... Fost has been named the L.A. Kings' new television play-by-play announcer. He's just 28 years old. I know some people were asking me about uh, Jack's future because he did do an L.A. Kings television game late in the regular season. The legendary Bob Miller uh, didn't work a lot this year because of his health. Uh, some people were asking me, was Jack going to go to L.A.? What's going on? I, I never really replied because I didn't know. And I figured it was Jack's business if he was interested or if he'd been approached. He did go do that one game. Uh, but I can tell you that Alex Foss, the new L.A. Kings television play-by-play announcer. The Stanley Cup final, 2-0 for the Penguins. It'll resume Saturday in Nashville, 6 p.m. And, of course, you can hear it right here on 6.30. Chad, my name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports. Great to have you along for the ride tonight. It's 6.08. Rough night for the Blue Jays so far. Bottom of the third. They trail the Yankees 5-0. The end. NBA Finals. Yes, they insist on calling it the Finals, even though there's only one series going on. Starts tonight. Golden State home to Cleveland on your Crystal Glass scoreboard for all your glass needs. You can visit crystalglass.ca. A lot to get to tonight. We'll talk some hockey, uh, some football, of course. Bad news for the Eskimos today. Dave Campbell will enlighten us on the impact of the Corey Greenwood injury. I can also tell you that Grant Fuhr, legendary Oilers goaltender, he's in the Hall of Fame, is once again going to be the honorary tournament champion chair for the Syncrude Oil Country Championship. This is on the McKenzie Tour. That's the uh, PGA Tour Canada second annual Oil Country Championship at Windermere, July 31st to August 6th. And I'm pleased to be joined by Grant Fuhr. Grant, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Things are good. I've got no complaints. Right on. Well, you're back for another year as the honorary tournament chair for the Syncrude Oil Country Championship. That's going to be July 31st to August 6th uh, this year at the Windermere. I'm assuming this was a pretty easy decision for for you to come back for another year it was i mean i had such a good time last year and it's always fun to be associated with the oilers and the oilers community foundation so it was an easy one to say yes to now uh last year we were out at the uh at the glendale you and i actually got to play around together on the uh, on the media day i don't know if you remember my round but you were joking that i probably had a thousand feet worth of putts because i refused to hit the ball <laughs> near the flag but uh 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, you uh, you golfed a lot. Uh, obviously, you've, you've golfed a lot in and around Edmonton. Um, I had Curtis Stock in, on, uh, in the show last week. He said there's 84 courses within an hour of Edmonton. Do you think you've played all of them, Grant? Or, or <laughs> you get out and sample? I don't, I don't know if I've played all of them, but I've probably played most of them. Yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you have a favorite? I played my fair share. Did you have a favorite, or was it, did you have a go-to when you were a player here? I'm still a member of Mayfair. So that's something that I've been a member since, so going way back, and I've always kept the membership there. Oh, good stuff. When, Grant, when did you take up golf? Was it, as a, was it when you were already in the NHL, or were you a, a younger guy when you started playing? I started playing, I played a little bit with my dad, and then I started playing in junior. I mean, out in Victoria, you got a year-round golf season, and wasn't old enough to go in the bars, so golf kind of filled the vacant time. Now, you have the reputation as being a pretty calm guy. Um, you know, you're always, as you are now, well-spoken and, and calm in your interviews. I remember you doing interviews when you were a, a player, and, and you always sort of uh, had that one-day-at-a-time mentality. That must that must help your golf game. Or did you have to learn that so you could be a calm and composed golfer? Let's, let's just say it was a lot easier on the ice. I mean... <laughs> The two kind of go hand in hand where you don't get overly excited about good shots. You don't get overly upset with bad shots. And it was the same thing on the ice. You don't get upset about good, bad games. You don't get too high with good games. You just have to try and stay on an even keel. So we're trying to translate that into the golf game. Now, when you were on the Oilers and you had several runs to the Stanley Cup final, you're playing into May and June. Did hockey get in the way of golf or did golf get in the way of hockey? No, I kind of found ways to squeeze both in. <laughs> I, I, off, day, off days were great for golf. It got you away from the game, gave you a chance to give your brain a rest so you weren't thinking hockey 24-7. So I think one was good for the other. Were you able to play when you were on the road as well? Did you find places to go out to? Well, unfortunately, there wasn't as many good cities to play golf in, but when we were in L.A., you found a way to sneak out and play. I think Westchester was a lighted golf course. If we get in at night, we'd run over there and play nine holes. Anywhere that was warm enough and had a golf course that was open, we seemed to find a way to sneak out if we could. Grant, if you're joining us on Inside Sports tonight, you know, speaking of, of the Stanley Cup final, the team's playing into June here. Give me give me your memories of the experience of, you, you know, obviously you want to win the Stanley Cup. But you get into May, you know, the weather changes. Probably your body's been taking a beating. You, you get into June, there are no other games going on. All the fan and media attention is, is on you. Uh, just what was it like dealing with sort of that, that continued grind and maybe the mounting pressure and attention of being in a cup final? I think that's the fun of the game. I mean, if you look at it as pressure, you're not going to enjoy it as much. You just, I like to look at it as it was a different opportunity to either succeed or fail. I mean, as a goalie, you're either going to be good or you're going to be the GOAT. So it was a chance to be a difference every day, and it was fun to play that way. All right, so we got Nashville and uh, Pittsburgh going at it. Obviously, uh, you know, Pecorine, who's been having a great playoff, uh, you know, let in four goals on not very many shots in game one, and then he wound up getting pulled last night. I know you're. I know you're watching the games now. He's a he's a veteran guy. Are you thinking he comes back with a top performance on Saturday, or do you think there's something maybe crept into his game here that uh, is maybe hurting him? No, I think he's going to be good on Saturday. I mean, I think he's too good a goalie to let a bad game bother him. 
I think if anything, after you have a bad game, you're maybe a little more focused going into the next game. So I think he's going to be just fine. All right. When we talked during round two of the Stanley Cup final, you came on the face-off show, and uh, we spoke about goaltender interference. Does something need to change over the summer, Grant? And and if somebody asked you, what would you change about the rule and or the video review process? Oh, I don't think the rule or the video replay works. So I think they've got to go back to the drawing board and take a re-look at it and establish what is and what isn't. I think the problem is right now nobody knows what's interference for the goalie and what is what you can do. And you've been able to do both. One game they'll call it where it's really close. The next game you can run over the goalie and it's nothing. So I think they have to go back, take a look at it, and maybe reestablish what the rule is. And if you're going to have video review, you can't afford to get it wrong. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing because that just puts a black mark on the game. Well, well said. I think a lot of people are in agreement with you. Hey, Grant, great that you're back for the Oil Country Championship. I know we'll probably have again a uh, chance to talk again in the summer, closer to the tournament. Really appreciate your time. We'll talk to you soon. Oh, my pleasure. Hopefully we get to play again on Media Day. Well, that'd be fun. And I probably can't play worse than I did last year. Grant, thanks for your time. Grant Fuhr coming on, honorary chair for the Sincrude Oil Country Championship. Going to be at the Windermere this year, uh, the tournament August 3rd to August 6th. Great event brought to town by the Oilers Entertainment Group and the McKenzie Tour. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports. By the way, you can always reach me by texting 63630. The good old phone number, 780-496-0063. We'll talk a little more golf with uh, Edmonton's Will Bateman, who is on the McKenzie Tour, currently playing at an event in Vancouver, but he's going to check in a little bit later on on the show. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Hey, this is Jordan Eberle from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. 618, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. We have a lot to get to this evening. Bad injury for the Eskimos. Linebacker Corey Greenwood out for the season. ACL injury. Third year in a row. The Eskimos have lost somebody for the year early in training camp. Dave Campbell will talk about that. Had Grant Fewer on the show. Always good to catch up with Grant. Very uh, opinionated, as you heard, about the uh, goalie review or the uh, goalie interference and the video review process basically says that uh, needs to be scrapped. Uh, I will say this, there, there seems to be a very strong theme in the playoffs from you, the fan, and from many ex-players like Grant, like Kelly Rudy, that the, uh, the game of hockey needs... I, I don't want to say that the game is broken because I think that would be an exaggeration, but that it needs some significant upgrading or, or tweaking or thought into the rules and their enforcement. I, I know it was, uh, it's certainly been discussed on this show uh, on Overtime Open Line after Oilers games. It became a pretty hot topic. I was listening to Brendan Ulrich filling in for Bob Stoffer earlier today on uh, on Oilers Now. Uh, I think a lot of things have happened, and, and I know Brendan was talking specifically, and, and some people were saying they're not, they're not going to watch the Stanley Cup final. Well, I think a few things happen there is uh, your favorite team is out, the weather's pretty good. I mean, we're now into that part of the year here in uh, in Edmonton where it's light out to uh, 10.30 and later. You can be outside quite late. So you don't want to necessarily sit in front of your TV for three hours when it's beautiful out and the yard of the River Valley is calling. Uh, I really, I, I truly believe this, that the NHL shot itself in the foot 
by scheduling the games so far apart. I mean, you got, okay, fine, Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, Monday, and then it's Thursday, Sunday, Wednesday after that. I think it's at this time of year, people just want the games every second day. Let's move it along. You know, you don't want to have two days between most of the games. And the NBA Finals, by the way, is actually even worse. But but it's an interesting debate. The, the thing is, the, the tough thing for the NHL is, and the, and the managers and the governors that make these decisions is, what do you fix? Because I know by interacting with many of you, uh, many of you think something needs to change, uh, but there isn't necessarily a gr- a, a agreement on, on what that is. I, I think the stuff away from the puck needs to be called more. You know, Kelly Rudy was on. He said they need to call more of the slashing. Uh, a lot of people have uh, problems with the obstruction. A lot of people say just call the rules to the letter of the law. If there's going to be 20 power plays a game, then there's going to be 20 power plays a game. I don't know if that's the solution. But I, but I think certainly some things need to be clarified. Are the games entertaining? I, I, I still think, I mean, look, there. how many comebacks? Isn't, isn't that what you want? I mean, back in the late 90s, the complaint was one team got up 2 nothing and then could pretty much play tackle football out there and keep the other team away from their net, and there was too much in, in, interference and all that. I mean, there have been comebacks. There ha, there ha, I mean, game one of the Stanley Cup final, Nashville comes back from 3 nothing down. Winning goal was scored late in the third period. Game two last night, you had three goals in a uh, short span of time. Right? I mean, on paper, that's exciting. Yet, I think a lot of you are still complaining about it and feel that there's something missing. Do you just want higher scoring games? I mean, we're going to see the NBA Finals start tonight. What do people say about basketball? Well, it always comes down to the last three minutes. Do you, do you want hockey to be like that? Where you know probably with five minutes left, it's going to be, uh, you know, 6-5, and then it comes down to who scores more in the last five. I don't know if that's what people want, but it seems to me people want something different from the National Hockey League. It's probably different for, for all of you, for each of you out there listening tonight. Brian says, how much does a player make when he's uh, injured? Well, if that's uh, if in the CFL, if he's kept on the roster, he makes what he signed for. If that's a hockey question, he definitely gets what he signed to uh, for his contract. Another story we're going to follow tonight is, by the way, it's now seven nothing for the Yankees, leading the Jays on the top of the fourth. I, I don't know. You, you probably saw this, Mister Met, the New York Mets mascot, or as he's uh, called when they used to play the Expos, Monsieur Met. I got a table for Monsieur Met. So the mascot, the guy, the, the, whoever it was wearing the mascot, gave a fan the finger. He gave him his middle finger as he was walking off the field. He flipped him the bird, as we used to say in Evansburg. Or as they would say in Seba Beach, he gave him the one-finger salute. Or as they stay in Stony Plain, he gave him half a peace sign. So Mr. Met, you know, mascots, fun-loving, cuddly, Interacting with the fans, all part of their gig. The uh, the uh, person wearing the mascot suit gives, and if you've seen the video, it wasn't like an extended, you know, five second. Here's my middle finger in your face. You know, it wasn't the uh, the double barrel, two hands, the dancing eleven as they like to call it. 
It was a pretty brief flash of the uh, middle finger as Mr. Met was exiting through the tunnel. And uh, there, there are reports that fans had been heckling and being, you know, saying cruel things to Mr. Met throughout the evening. And Mr. Met obviously cracked. Mr. Met snapped. Gave the, uh, gave the fans the finger as he was leaving the field. So anyway, that Mr. Met isn't going to be able to be... Like they, there are apparently more than one person that uh, wears the Mr. Met outfit. So this Mr. Met uh, already gone. Uh, Mr. Met takes over. The, the, the new Mr. Met or the whatever, one of the other Mr. Mets was in the costume today. So later on on the show, and this is going to be fun, we're going to have a gentleman who was a mascot in Major League Baseball. His name's A.J. Mass. Not only was he a mascot, he was Mr. Met for three years in the 1990s, from, or four years in the 1990s, 94 to 97. So I want to ask him, A, how do you get that job? I mean, was it in the classifieds back in 1994? You know, under, like, under one line was like, wanted dishwasher at a Brooklyn diner. And then under that, wanted someone to be Mr. Met. I, I don't know if that's how he got the job or not, but we'll ask him that. And then, I, I doubt it's all warm and fuzzy when it actually comes to being a mascot. Because if you put the mascot outfit on, you're kind of also putting a uh, bullseye on. So, we're going to have a guy. He can't get someone more relevant to the story than this. AJ Mass is his name. He's now a writer with ESPN, by the way. He writes a fantasy sports column. He's written a couple books, one of which was uh, Tales of Being a Mascot. It's called Yes, It's Hot in Here. He's going to give us his take on the situation and mascot life in general. If you've ever been a mascot who's been abused, you can text anonymously 630-630 and we'll tell your tale. John in Fort McMurray says, uh, read one easy fix that will make the regular season in the NHL great. Three points for a win, two for an OT win, one for an OT loss. Second, hold bad refs accountable and call the rules the same all year, including the playoffs. Another texter says, read video review was to get rid of any controversy. Now there is more controversy than ever, ever before. That's irony, baby. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 6.30, Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's 6.34. I know with the weather as it is outside, you're probably not thinking about Christmas, but I want you to just for a couple of seconds here because, as you know, 630 Ched Santa's Anonymous is such a huge part of what we do here at the station, and it has an incredible impact in the city. And I want you to remind you, I want to remind you about the 24th annual 630 Ched Gary Drager Memorial Golf Classic. You can register online, 630ched.com. The tournament coming up in a couple of weeks, Friday, June 16th. Once again, going to be hosted by the great folks on that great course, the Links in Spruce Grove. It's a shotgun start at 8.30. Uh, you get the green fees, a golf cart, a gift, prizes, breakfast and dinner. You'd be part of the silent auction, all for $195. All proceeds from the tournament going to 6.30 Ched Santa's Anonymous, helping to bring Christmas to over 25,000 Edmonton children each year. We still have limited spots available, but limited so don't wait any longer. 630 Ched.com to take part in the Gary Drager 
24th annual Memorial Golf Classic. Uh, I've got to participate in this a few times. It is a great day. It's a fun day, but most importantly, it's all for 630Ched Santa's Anonymous. So please check that out on 630Ched.com. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It is 635. We're going to get to Doug McLean from uh, the NHL on Rogers Sports Den in a couple seconds. Jeremy from Glendon says, Hey, Reed, I was a mascot in high school, and it's surprisingly frustrating having your speech taken away from you, frustrating to deal with bratty kids when you can't talk, and you wind up making dumb decisions like Mr. Met and his middle finger. Jeremy from Glendon. Uh, I, I'm assuming the Glendon High School sports teams are called the pierogies, and Jeremy was dressed as a pierogi. Because Glendon has the uh, giant pierogi as its town totem. I, I believe it's actually the town totem. People gather around it and ask for, for good weather or just more sour cream to go with their pierogies. So I, so Jeremy was the uh, mascot for the Glendon uh, pierogies. Just assuming that's what the high school teams must be called. Okay. Bermuda boy texting in. Hi, Reed. I'm puzzled, stumped, and completely dumbfounded. Well, there, I believe, I believe that's the holy trinity of confusion. I am puzzled, stumped, and completely dumbfounded because I cannot for the life of me figure out the purpose of the second referee during the playoffs. The NHL could do themselves a favor and revert to a single ref instead of expecting me to believe that the second ref is doing anything other than going on a Sunday skate. Embarrassing. If I hear another hockey pundit say let them play, I may stop watching completely. General managers build their teams to be better than the opposition, and letting them play levels the playing field. I have to believe there are other ways to build parity. That is from Bermuda Boy. Interesting comment. I think an intelligent comment. Most fans of most sports want to see offensive chances. Uh, and that's that's the thing about about hockey, is it has this very uh, strong, you know, mentality that's been around forever. As long as I remember watching hockey, where so much of hockey comes down to work ethic, and dealing with adversity and being tough. So I, I think that if there's an offensive player who is fast or who can shoot the puck really well or who can pass really well. There's that sort of mentality. It's like, well, he has those skills, but damn it, we're going to make him work. And he, he still better work. And it's the whole thing, you know, you, you, will over skill, right? Well, it's fine to be talented, but man, you better be better, ready to work hard. Whereas I think other sports, while obviously work ethic is important, they say, well, this guy, this pitcher can throw really hard. Let's not hang a weight on his arm so he can't throw quite as fast and make him work through that. You know, Steph Curry can shoot three-pointers really well, so let's make him shoot from farther back so it's harder. You know, Tom Brady's really good. So uh, let's, uh, let's make him use footballs that uh, maybe aren't inflated. All okay, that's a bad example. But... Yeah, hockey has that mentality where it's like, well, you got to be gritty. And that's why we love the game. But I think it also leads to the mentality where that leads to, you know, more interference and the star players being picked on and abused and slashed and all that fun stuff that people complain about. 
Uh, Wayne says, uh, hey, Reed, here's a wacky suggestion. How about we allow the coaches to actually question the officiating without being fined and then have the officials hold a press conference after each game to explain why calls were made or not? Please do not give me the excuse it would somehow undermine the officials. That's crap. They should be responsible to the people who pay their salary, the fans. Wayne, I, I think officials should have to speak to the media or somebody should have to speak to the media and actually give a reasonable explanation to the calls and what they saw on the play. Now, would it help? I don't know if it would help. But at least maybe you would get a perspective of what the uh, officials see. Other than the NHL putting things out on their website that basically just reiterate what already was said. For example, after video review, it was determined that there was no goaltender interference. Well, tell us why. Tell us why. Tell us what the video might have revealed. Wayne, I appreciate your text. Jeremy from Glendon writing back. He says, unfortunately, we are not the Glendon pierogies. The boys are the nobles and the girls are the, I don't even know how to say this word, the marquees. The logo is a knight and our mascot is a dragon named Nitro. K-N-I-G-H-T-R-O. That's your nickname, Kellen Kennedy. That's your <laughs> online persona. Uh, Jeremy yeah. also says, I'm not sure if you're right about the uh, the uh, pierogi being the town totem, but I'm sure it's something like that. Now, I appreciate that for Glendon because I went to a high school where the, uh, the boys and girls teams had different names. Mm-hmm. It's the Grand Trunk. Uh, Grizzlies and the Grand Trunk Teddies. And then obviously I attended one of the few universities that has different names for the men and the women. I obviously did not play on the teams, the Alberta Golden Bears and the Alberta Pandas. So I right. appreciate that. Where There's a team with, uh, with different names. We're going to take a quick timeout. We'll talk a little hockey. We'll talk about the expansion draft with Doug McLean when we get back. This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, so it's two zip for the Penguins in the Stanley Cup final series resumes Saturday in Nashville. Doug McLean with the NHL on Rogers, former NHL coach and general manager, checking in tonight. Doug, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Great, just uh, enjoying the finals. Yeah, here we go. Another uh, another two day break, and then we're back at it on Saturday. Man, man, what are you thinking so far? Uh, I mean, I, I thought Nashville was looking so good, and they have looked good at times in this series, but they just haven't been able to uh, to really grab a lead and expand it, eh? No, you know they played five real good periods of hockey, and uh, for whatever reason, you know they haven't been able to win. And give credit to Murray. Uh, you know, give credit to wherever. But I mean, when you hold a team thirty seven minutes without shot, and last night even dominated early. Murray was terrific in the first period. You know, the second period, they Pittsburgh don't get a shot in the last 10 minutes, and yet they come out in the third period in Nashville, I thought, and played out of their out of their style. You know, they started to gamble. I mean, neutral zone pinches by top players, and you give Kessel, and you give Malkin, and you give these guys opportunities. They're going to bury you. So, I thought they got away from their typical game, you know, solid game in the third period. So, Interesting. I mean, they can still get back in it. They're good at home. Pecorino's got to be a lot better. He hasn't been great, and that's, that's really hurt them. You know, I, I'm glad you brought that up, that they kind of got away from their style, and you've been on enough benches in the NHL or watching teams you've put together as a general manager where you know what the team's strengths are. But it's human nature, right? Even a team that has gone this far and had Nashville success, 
sometimes you get in a pressure situation or the ball just starts rolling in the opposite direction, right? And probably as a coach or GM, you're pulling your hair out trying to rein it back in, eh? Well, the frustrating thing is, you know, you get a neutral zone face-off. It's a 1-1 game, and, and Yossi pinches. And Yossi is one of the premier young defensemen in the game. He's a six-year veteran, but he's still a young guy, and he's one of the premier guys and one of the best players. And so unusual for him to take that gamble in the neutral zone, um, and, and, it, and it costs them. And then it, from there, it just seemed to, to take off. But you know what? There's a lot of pressure on their blue line to create offense. I mean, they've got 40-plus points in the playoffs. They've been terrific, that top four. And with, the, with, with losing Johansson down the middle and breaking up the big line, which was the Forsberg, Arvidsson, Johansson, was maybe one of the best lines in the playoffs thus far. And to have to break that up, I think it's put a lot of pressure on the on the Yossi's and Subban's and Alice's and Ekholm's to try to create. And when you try to create, you make big gambles. And when you make gambles in the neutral zone against this team, you're in big trouble. If you if they get a two-on-one on you, good luck. Yeah, good point. Doug McLean joining us inside sports on 630. Chad covering the uh, Stanley Cup final for the NHL on Rogers, And, of course, a uh, former manager and coach in the National Hockey League. You know, we got the expansion draft coming up here for Vegas later this month, so I, I got to go down memory lane with you here, Doug, because you went through this process as a GM of uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets w- when they came into the league. Uh, I, I know you guys in Minnesota were joining at that time, so you sort of did a, a back-and-forth thing for the expansion draft. But it, let me ask you this. When you first saw the the players available to you, were you thinking, like, oh, my God, how am I going to put a team together? Or, or You know what I mean? Like, you're, you're not getting the, the top scorer off each team. You know, it, it, when I saw the list, I almost got sick to my stomach, to be quite honest. Because, you know, if you think back to the 2000 expansion draft, as you said, there was two teams coming in, us in Minnesota. So that created all kinds of headaches and aggravation because, you know, it split the pool in half. And then when you really think about it, Nashville and Atlanta had come in the previous two years. So it was four expansion teams really in a in a three-year period. And it really, really cleaned the market. And you look now, you've got Vegas coming in the first in 16 years pretty good situation i'd say you know from a restoring the talent pool and then you look at the rules they have in place they're they're substantially different as well and much more you know positive for the expansion team so i it's hard to compare them to be quite honest but you know we put uh, months and months into the expansion draft and then you sit there and you you know everybody started to play games with protection and trades and and the pool as the season went on sort of wilted away so it was a frustrating experience but it was still a fun great experience but was it one of those experiences that once was enough in your life <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I, I you chuckle about it because you you go through the months and months and you you, you put together a team and you felt good. I remember talking to our scouts after it was in Calgary and after this transfer uh, up, it felt really good that we picked up ten or twelve guys that you know were long term guys with the team. Tyler Wright, Jeff Sanderson. I mean, there was some really pretty solid guys. And then there was a bunch of picks that you just had to waste. You had to take somebody from every team 
they had limited guys exposed. So, you know, you, 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 what you did is you took a few unrestricted free agents that you knew you were never going to be able to sign, but because you, you were forced to take somebody from that team and, and all that was exposed was, e- was either a high-priced guy or a guy that wasn't very good or an unrestricted free agent who you didn't have to do anything with. And we took, a, you know, we took a few of those with our picks. So it was, you know, and I look back at, at the 10 years in Columbus and we didn't have the a, a, a success we would like to have had at the, at the gate. Uh, not at the gate. The gate was terrific, but on the ice. And, you know, but there's not very many things you'd really want to do over again. It was, it was a great, great learning experience to start a team from scratch and to build an organization. I went there. They didn't even have a, you know, we built the building. We built the practice facility. We designed the uniforms. We, I mean, it, it was just a wonderful experience. It really was. I, I got I to gotta ask you because I was, look, I was looking through the lists for you guys in Minnesota. Uh, Dwayne Rollison you took from Buffalo, but, but, but was he one of the guys you just sort of had? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, he became a hero here in Edmonton, as you know, so i got to ask about uh, yeah. the connection there. How come, how come you took no. him? Well, what happened is we had Tugnut, and we had done a deal with Colorado. Uh, we traded a second-round pick for Mark Denis, who was a really hot goaltending prospect at that time, and, and made a deal. So we had him, and we had done a deal to sign Tugnut. And I also did a deal with Buffalo for Jeff Sanderson. So you know it was it was a done deal prior. So I get the I make the trade for Jeff Sanderson, and uh, and what happens is part of that deal was we had to take Rollison. So that ended. Uh, so Darcy Regeer knew going into the expansion draft exactly who he was leaving or losing. So Rollison was an unrestricted free agent. So at that time, you know, we didn't have any intention. If I'm not mistaken, he was probably playing in St. John in the American Hockey League at the time. So we didn't sign him because he was unrestricted. So it was a prearranged deal. And it's the same as the Sanderson was. I had the first pick in, in the expansion draft. It, it's funny, Minnesota and I flipped for the first pick or for who has the better pick in the amateur draft. Doug wins Doug wins the uh, coin toss for the amateur. He gets to pick third, and I pick fourth in the expansion draft. He gets Gabrick. I got Klesla fourth. DiPietro went one, and Danny Heatley went two in that particular draft. So because I lost the uh, coin toss for the amateur, I got the first pick in the expansion. So with that, we took Jeff Sanderson, and it was a prearranged deal. And he ended up being a 40-goal scorer for us and had a good career there, Jeff. Good, yeah. good guy. Quality guy. All right, Doug, I, I haven't been able to talk to you for a while, so before I wrap up, uh, I should get some thoughts on the Oilers. I, I mean, it's uh, it's a big what-if for, for a lot of fans, right? You go to seventh game in the second round, and, and you lose by a goal, and you have that heartbreaker in game five where you blow a three-goal lead, and a lot of fans are still furious, and I think rightly so, about the uh, goalie interference at, at the end of the game. But, uh, I mean, I know you follow the Oilers very, very closely, and McDavid was an exciting story. I mean, we all know it was a step in the right direction, but, uh, you know, how do you sort of assess uh, where they went and how close they might have been? Well, you know, what? I think when you when you get a once-in-a-lifetime deal and you get a McDavid, it, it, it can do wonders for your organization. I, I look at, just think what Sidney Crosby has done for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They were the worst team in the NHL when he went to Pittsburgh. And today, these years later, 10, 12 years later, they right now are the model franchise. And, and don't anybody tell me that what he means and has meant to the franchise is anything but 
exceptional. Anybody that walks in that dressing room and you see what he does and the way he carries himself and the way he competes and the way he practices and the way he plays. You know, I heard someone say Gensel comes in the team and he sits next to Sid in the dressing room. You know, what, what, what does that mean for him? Well, you can imagine. So right off the hop, they've got... In, in, in that that generational player in, in McDavid, I think he's got a chance to be one of the best ever in the game with what I've seen so far. So to me, that it, it all starts there. And then, you know, I, I think you go to Dreisaitl and you go to a number of guys there, Clefbaum and some guys. I, I think they're really in a good position. I, I, I happen to really like Talbot. My son played with him in college, and he's a quality kid and a battler. So I, I like where they are. I, I, I picked them to win a couple series. I actually picked them to win the last series, which maybe I was getting a little carried away with them. But I, I really like what's going on. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, there should be great, great optimism for this franchise. For me, that's where I'm coming from with it anyway. I mean, when you're a GM and you get to pick Conor McDavid, I'm sorry, but Peter Ferrelli hit it out of the park. I know he's a good guy and a smart guy, but it, that's a big break. Yeah, <laughs> He could become a great GM because of that pick. <laughs> well, I always say biggest off-ice day in Oilers franchise history was the day they won that draft lottery, and I think that's that's going to be uh, how you, it plays out. You know out. what? i got to tell you, I'm in Vancouver. We're playing in Vancouver late in the season, and I go into that game where we have the fourth pick in the, in the amateur draft. And we beat the Canucks in Vancouver. Nash and Jaredev were unbelievable how well they played, and we and we hammered the Canucks. And with that win, I think we dropped to eighth in the in the draft. And I'm we're excited after the game about how great Nash played and how great Jaredev played and how our young kids looked that night. And then Washington slide into the fourth uh, fourth spot, and we fall, as I said, to eighth. And then all of a sudden, um, the fourth, uh, Washington win the lottery, and they get with the fourth pick Ovechkin, and I got Alex Picard with the eighth pick. Oh, wow. So funny how things happen, eh? Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> Doug, thanks for the stories and your unique perspective on, uh, on some of the things you went through uh, in Columbus. Thanks so much yeah. for doing this. We'll talk again soon. Thank- yeah, thanks for having me on anytime, bud. Doug McLean checking in tonight covering the Stanley Cup final. Awesome stuff about uh, when he was GM of Columbus. You, you heard there how a late season win uh, potentially cost them Alexander Ovechkin if the draft lottery uh, would have played out the same way. And what did he say about the list of players he saw available to him in the 2000 expansion draft? I almost got sick to my stomach when I saw the list. Uh, we'll see who Vegas winds up with. I think the Oilers' protected list is pretty clear. Dreisaitl, Lucic, Nugent Hopkins, Everly, Maroon, Latestu, and Kazian, Clefbaum, Larson, and Sekra, and then Cam Talbot. Uh, you know, I was talking to someone today who doesn't think Griffin Reinhardt would be the Vegas choice. I wonder if it uh, could be Jujar Kara, or maybe there's a, a deal where, you know, maybe they uh, trade Vegas somebody and then get them to take somebody like Pouliot. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. We'll update the Eskimos injury situation. It's not good when we get back. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.